Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Sherelle McMillan. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. Sherelle, I uh, did not think we'd be doing this type of podcast. 30 minutes ago, I definitely didn't think we'd be doing this type of podcast. Carolina 88, Miami 85 overtime game in the Smith Center. Your overall thoughts? It's funny because uh, as the game is going on, you're kind of getting into your mind, okay, this is what we want to talk about in the post game, And uh, when North Carolina went off to, I guess they got up to like a 7-0 run in the second half, it was, okay, bad first half, came out, blew them away in the second half. And then when Miami went on a, you know, 13 to nothing run or something, it's like, wow, they let the Louisville game happen again. You know, they had gone on a winning streak. They had beaten NC State, you know, fairly, you know, by scoring uh, a lot of points at BNC State in impressive fashion a few days before. They have a new game in the Smith Center, and they come out flat, and they lose the game. And then it switched to, okay, Kobe White. Wow, this guy is amazing. I, I, just some of the things he can do on the court. And then it was Luke May. Okay, he he hit another good shot. It's just the story's changed over that last 10 minutes at least seven or eight times. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway is that they won the game. Like, you know, Kobe was phenomenal. Luke May played well. You know, even players that struggled for most of the game had, you know, big plays. But I think they didn't um, – I, I don't want to say invalidate the last eight games, but they didn't take a step back on the way to Virginia. They didn't drop a game in the ACC that they should have won, um, you know, considering that Miami's not having the best season. They only have seven or eight scholarship players. For to me, So to me, it was just they won, you know, everything else we can talk about another time. But the biggest thing is that they had the most points when, you know, the clock is zero. Jim Laranega, I know he catches some grief at Miami. He's He knows how to play against North Carolina, and it helps to have a guy like Chris Likes. But, you know, any other day, Likes leads Miami to a win. Kobe White, Sherelle, I was thinking about this watching the game. And, of course, Luke May and Kenny Williams stepped up and hit big shots late. But uh, this basketball team is Kobe White's basketball team. Yeah, I mean – Everybody said it. Dewey said it. You know, people who know a lot more about basketball than we have said it all year, kind of as Kobe White goes, North Carolina goes. And today was another example of that. I mean, it it reminds me of some of the shots Joel Berry hit as a senior. Kobe White is hitting them as a freshman. Um, and we talked a few times about who would be the person who would, you know, take the shots. We talked about Luke May. He obviously hit a huge one. Uh, Kobe just had that four minute stretch where he kind of zoned out and just ascended to another plane or something and then you know cam hit a couple of big free throws and um i think now you know this game is good for unc because um it, it helps to establish what they do in these type of situations and i i feel like they haven't been in this type of game that much this season they've been in close games but i don't think really ones that have come down to the last second like this one where you have to hit a shot to go to overtime or have to hit a shot to win the game so uh i think for Roy williams it was a good kind of uh, test to see how his players will respond. Um, they responded well. They obviously came out and got the win. I'll ask you a question that uh, I found myself wondering, and, and I tweeted something to the effect of Kobe's pulling his best Page and Barry imitation, but I can't remember a freshman for North Carolina, and, and Tyler Hansborough's different. Um, Harrison Barnes hit some big shots, but I, I just maybe I've just forgotten, but. Uh, White's performance, like you mentioned, Barry was doing it as a senior. White's doing it um, 20 games in, 24 games in to his college career. And and the funny thing is, is a lot of people doubted that he could. Just 
talk about what you see the evolution. I mean, he has no fear to take any shot. And I remember, I think it was Cam Johnson took that shot um, late in the game. And my first thought was, why is anybody but Kobe White shooting at this point? (laughs) Well, the thing about Kobe, I mean, when he gets going and um, Roy Williams saw him get going when he offered him a scholarship a couple years ago, I mean, he gets going like probably nobody else that Carolina's had. And I don't say that lightly um, because, you know, you look back at some of the players, just let's just go the last uh, 20 years. So, you know, 1999, obviously Joe Forte uh, had this kind of uh, takeover ability, and there were games where he single-handedly won it for UNC. Uh, Rashad McCants had that. There were games that he single-handedly won for Carolina uh, as a freshman. I think Tyler Hansborough did the same thing. Um, I think you can put Harrison Barnes in that class, and then I think it's Kobe. So I think in the last, you know, 20 years, it's Forte, it's McCants, it's Hansborough, it's Barnes, and it's Kobe. Because, I mean – And the thing about Kobe is, it's the degree of difficulty, I think, that differentiates him from some of the other guys. You know, Hansborough, you know, did most of his damage in the paint. And it's not not to say that, you know, it wasn't hard to do what he did. But Kobe is taking step back 25, 26 foot threes and dragging them. You know, he's going, blowing by dudes, taking contact and finishing, you know, from below his hip and throwing it over his head. He's just, he's doing whatever it takes. He's doing everything. He's showing all of his game. And I think that's what makes it a little bit different from some of the other players in the past. But I mean, uh, Brian Ives, who, uh, former IC intern, uh, just sent a note out basically that Kobe has two of the four top individual scoring performances as a freshman in Carolina history. So there's Tyler Hansborough with 40. I think uh, Harrison Barnes had 40 as well. And then Kobe has two 33-point games this season. So um, he's a scorer unparalleled, really, um, at the point composition for North Carolina. And, you know, seven threes, he's one off the record there. And then you look at the other stuff he did. He had six assists, you know, three turnovers, you know. But in a game that had 79 possessions, you know, you can live with three, three turnovers if your point guard has 33 points and six assists. So he's directly responsible for 45 points. But the difference between – Kobe and all of those guys you mentioned, and I won't talk about him too much because it, but it was fascinating to watch to me is he has the ball in his hands the whole time. Right. He's got all, more responsibility than any of those guys you listed had. Right. For North Carolina. Yeah. And, you know, it's, we talk about with freshmen, the big thing for them, and, it, you know, it's, it's even highlighted more at the point card position is paralysis by analysis, thinking versus playing. And, you have to find that balance. And for a lot of people, it takes a, a good amount of time um, for other point guards. It's taken 15, 20 games for Kobe. It took, you know, seven or eight <laughs> and he's kind of been off, you know, in the ACC play. I mean, his numbers, if you look at his ACC play in conference, only numbers, I mean, they're incredible. And uh, you know, as he goes, Carolina goes. Very interesting to watch Kobe white 33 points on 11 for 16 shooting seven of 10 threes. Those six assists you mentioned, uh, you know, if he shoots uh, 23 times like his counterpart, I think he's well in excess of 40. But it, it's just the guy's incredible. And uh, like we've said before, enjoy him while you can because he has blown up completely. It, it'll be interesting to see how he does against Virginia on Monday night. Let me take a quick break, come back, talk more about North Carolina's 88-85 win over Miami in Smith Center. All right, Sherelle, uh, Carolina got beat on the glass and at times dominated on the glass. I think the graphic I saw, anytime they had lost a rebounding margin, they lost the ball game. Speak to or tell me why that happened. It, it did not seem like Carolina was very interested 
in battling Miami on that in that portion of the game for most of it. Of course, they came up with a couple big rebounds late, but the glass was owned by the Hurricanes. Yeah, schematically, I you know I'm not sure to be honest. Uh, you look at the stats; only six offensive rebounds for North Carolina. That's way below where they want to be. Um, I think maybe part of it was the way North Carolina was forced to defend. Um, Miami took Garrison Brooks and took kind of the big guys out of the paint a little bit, um, and because of that, you know maybe they weren't great on on the on the boards. Like uh, again, that's probably something more for Dewey. Um, he probably would have the schematics on that, but uh, you know that's something that has to improve because North Carolina uh, kind of depends on those offensive rebounds to help them um, get extra possessions, get extra points, get the team into foul trouble. Um, so that's something to think about as well moving forward as you go to Virginia um, on Monday night. So I, I, I that is concerning because um, it doesn't happen often and they rarely win when they get out rebounded. So, you know, kudos to them for pulling it out, but it was not pretty. I don't want to make this all a, a sunshine rainbow podcast because for about, you know, 30 minutes, it was not pretty for North Carolina. And, um, you know, coming off of the NC State game, I think that really in uh, in 12, 12 p.m. tip. So coming off the NC State game in the 12 p.m. tip, it just didn't seem like the energy was there. And Miami always, always, always plays North Carolina tough because, like you said, uh, Larry Negger just has something figured out about Roe Williams' style with his style. So, um, you know, it, it was good they got the win, but they've got a lot of stuff to clean up and they only have, you know, less than 48 hours to do it. Let me ask you your thoughts on this, and this is something um, probably a good question for Dewey, but Lawrence for Miami picks up his fourth, I believe, with eight minutes left. And he made some big plays down the stretch for the Hurricanes. I don't, I'm not aware when I watch North Carolina play that they go after somebody to draw that fifth foul. I know other teams do it. Um, uh, certainly um, it would have been beneficial for North Carolina to get him out of there. But did you think about that watching the game like I was, or is that just something I'm wondering? Because I hate to see when a guy has four fouls and then he ends up making a huge play to win a game or almost win a game. And he played 39 minutes out of the 45 as well. It looked like to me that he got a little bit um, defensively that he just kind of took a step back. Not that he wasn't, you know, playing hard defensively or anything, but you could definitely tell a difference. He was trying not to get that foul. And to to your question, I don't think North Carolina draws anything else specifically to uh, try to get him that fifth foul. I think they're going to play their offense, run their offense, run their freelance, run their sets. And if he happens to be in the way or he happens to commit a foul, then for UNC, great. But if not, I don't I don't see them targeting him just because he has the fourth foul. They're going to do what they do and force you to adjust. And if fouling means adjusting, then that's what they'll make you do. So let's look at somebody for North Carolina other than Kobe White. Luke May had 20, only six rebounds. Again, we've talked about that. I didn't think Luke was very good most of the day. He certainly um, got some 50-50 balls, but the three he hit there late, uh, vintage Luke May. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, that that's confidence. And it was a great it was a great decision by Kobe White, and it was a good decision by Roe Williams because he went there with a pick and roll between Kobe and Luke. And what that does is you can't sag off of either of them because uh, if you, you know, if you switch, then 
Luke May can shoot over, you know, a guy who's five eight, five nine in Chris Likes. Um, if you don't, then Luke May can flare back out to the three point line and shoot. So you have to respect that. So it, it gave a little more room for both of them. So that was a really good decision. I remember last year, uh, one of the things that a few people we talked to, they wanted to see more of the Joel Berry, Luke May pick and roll, just because they were both good shooters and that put uh, pressure on the defense. And you know, Roy Williams brought it out today. So I, I thought that was a, a great decision by Kobe and a, a good play call by. Uh, coach Williams to to do that there and you know Luke is steady I mean I I just you know I can't I know people get upset with him sometimes with some of the shots he takes but when he makes you know he shot like 48 percent from the field 50 percent from three four of his six free throws 20 points six rebounds like it's kind of hard to get upset with that and he played 39 minutes you know it's it's, I, I just have a hard time saying oh Luke you know didn't play that well when he puts up those kind of numbers indeed he you know, he just keeps doing it. And you mentioned confidence, and he certainly has it. But somebody that has, hasn't has had a lot of confidence lately, at least has played like it, uh, Kenny Williams. And he made a big shot late, too. Only two for five from the field. Uh, but that one three was big for North Carolina. You know, that we, we talk about Kobe White and what he's doing. We talk about Cam Johnson, what he's doing. Kenny Williams manages to find a way to hit a big shot and – he played 34 minutes, three rebounds, and, and only one assist. But his basket, you know, some could say is not the difference maker, but certainly tipped the scales. I, and I think, uh, you know, his defense is often talked about. I don't think he was particularly great defensively in this game. Um, now, of course, I say that, and tomorrow we'll find out that he was charted as the defensive player of the game. But <laughs> it, just for my untrained eye, it didn't look like he was playing great defense or like – he was, you know, moving a little bit more than he was supposed to. He didn't. There were a couple of times it looked like he got lost. But um, five points, I think, I can't remember exactly the situation, but I think UNC was down maybe four, and he gets the steal and the breakaway for the easy layup. They either cut it to four or cut it to two. I'm not sure which one. So that was a huge play. That was his first field goal. Um, and then in overtime, he had a block and a three, I think, on consecutive possessions. So, he, you know, didn't do a lot in the game statistically, and I don't think his, I don't think he can fall back on over. He played great defense either, but he did, as you said, make two huge shots, and um, the three, I think, gave North Carolina the lead for good. So uh, just need him to keep shooting. Uh, I think uh, Brian Oliver on the TV broadcast kind of said, I, you know, I wonder why Kenny Williams, you know, he had a wide open shot. Why is he shooting? Um, and to me, that's confidence. When you are a shooter or capable, and you have a wide open shot and you turn it down to me, that says you're not confident in yourself. So maybe he just needs to keep working and, and try to get his confidence back because they're going to need him um, as the schedule kind of ramps up here over the next couple of weeks. Speaking of ramping up, Carolina's nine and one in the ACC. First time ever uh, Roy Williams has had the Tar Heels at nine and one in the ACC, which is an incredible stat to me, but Monday night, Virginia comes to town and I know Virginia has a, a big ball game at home, as some people may be listening to this, of course, we're recording directly after Carolina's win. Uh, but talk about the matchup with Carolina and Virginia. Uh, that is going to be probably a completely different ball game. I think it's another one um, where pace is a factor, efficiency is a factor. Um, I think this is a game that maybe Kobe White makes a difference. Um, but your thoughts on that? Yeah, and, you know, it's weird because – one of the things that's always hurt North Carolina against Virginia is the way they double um, in the post from block to block. And this game, I'm curious to see exactly how Virginia plays it because, it, you know, it, it really wouldn't, 
you know, if they double team Garrison Brooks, I don't think that's really accomplishing much because that just is forcing the ball into the hands of one of their four capable shooters on the outside. So I'm curious to see if they change anything from how they typically play um, North Carolina. You know, maybe, maybe not. Um, but I, I think for UNC, it always comes down to defense. And their defense this game was not good. Um, you know, regardless of what the stats say, uh, they just did not play well defensively. And part of it is because, Virginia, uh, excuse me, Miami, they slowed the game down so much and turned it into kind of the James Harden, Chris Like show, where they just put him at the top of the key, got a switch, isolated, and let him do his thing. Um, Virginia's not going to do that, but I just think North Carolina, if they can defend, then they can push tempo. When they push tempo, you know, they're very, very difficult to beat. So it's all about, for me, it's all about them uh, getting stops, you know, taking advantage of transition opportunities, um, and then just playing smart and playing with passion. If they do those things, I think they'll be okay. And it's also finishing those defensive possessions because I, th- I think, you know, Virginia or excuse me, Miami only had 10 second chance points, but it seemed like every time later in the game that Carolina couldn't get a defensive rebound, Virginia made them pay on it um, all over the place. Miami made them pay. Uh, Virginia will do the same thing Monday if Hills can't finish those possessions. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, bad, re- you know, rebounding today just didn't cut it. Uh, even though, you know, the numbers look good, they played five extra minutes, you know, only 32 rebounds. Um, and part of that was that their defense was bad and Miami was making shots. So that affected the rebounding. Um, but yeah, finishing possessions, um, if they're able to do that, like, like I said, I think um, this was one of those, you know, I don't want to say bad wins, but one of those wins where, they still get the victory, but Roy Williams can say, look, guys, you came out flat. You didn't play good defense. You took some bad shots. You turned the ball over. You didn't rebound well. You got lucky and, and won. You cannot do that on Monday or you will lose and you lose bad. So I think that gives him the ammunition he needs, but the team also um, didn't drop a game in the standing. So it's it's a good result. You would have liked to have seen it closer to the spread, which I think was 17, but you know they got the win, and I think that's all that matters. Indeed, Carolina goes to 99-1 and one in the conference, 88-85 over Miami in a nail-biter in the Smith Center. Certainly didn't think we'd do, be doing this podcast, like I said earlier, <laughs> talking about this type of game, but Carolina win and moves on to Virginia, 7 but, o'clock. But, Tommy, they they always have they always have this, and especially against Miami. And, uh, you know, but they, I, always, they always have this, but it's always an L. Yeah, yeah, they usually exactly like last year. The you know the Miami game was ninety one to eighty eight, um, and they hit you know Miami hit the buzzer beater to win the game on senior night. So it, it's it's always against Miami. I would just caution everybody not to get. Don't look at the record. I'm not saying it's a rivalry or anything. That's been a big topic the last week. But just the way Miami plays just gives Carolina fits, and it's always you know going to be a close game. Um, but like you said, this time they were able to close it out. So maybe they did learn something from Louisville. Eighty eight, eighty five. Carolina wins Saturday. In the Smith Center in Virginia, 7 o'clock Monday night. Sherelle, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks for joining me this time. Yep, thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.